My Seven Chakras, episode 72. In the end, only three things matter. How much you loved, how gently you lived, and how gracefully you let go of things not meant for you. The Seven Chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body, from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, action takers? AJ here, and it is a beautiful afternoon here in Vancouver, British Columbia. It's almost springtime, and the sun looks ready to bless our region with six months of warm, nourishing, healing sunshine. Before we move into today's episode, I wanted to read out a short passage from one of my favorite books of all time, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. If you haven't read the book, do me a favor, pause this episode, go on Amazon or whatever you prefer, buy the book and then resume today's show. Now, today's short passage is from the chapter titled Persistence, How to Develop Persistence. There are four simple steps which lead to a habit of persistence. They call for no great amount of intelligence, no particular amount of education, but and but little time or effort. The necessary steps are a definite purpose backed by burning desire for its fulfillment. Note that it doesn't talk about a wish that you have, but a burning desire. Second, a definite plan expressed in continuous action. The key focus is on continuous action, not a sprint of action. And then a long vacation. We're talking about a marathon here. And third is a mind closed tightly against all negative and discouraging influences, including negative suggestions of relatives, friends and acquaintances, right? Let's face it, sometimes the ones who bring us down are the closest friends that we have or relatives who use words and body language that might not inspire or uplift. So protect your mind. And finally, fourth, a friendly alliance with one or more persons who will encourage you to follow through with both a plan and purpose. Now, this is key action takers. The journey of self-mastery can be lonely, but it doesn't have to be. Reach out to people who are on a similar journey, form positive alliances, share ideas, share your vision, and ask them to hold you accountable. That's powerful. So there you go, action takers. If you take care of these four points, your definite purpose, your definite plan, positive influences and a friendly alliance, you are all set to blast off towards living your purpose. All right. And today I am really excited to bring you our featured guest, Amy McKay. Amy, are you ready to inspire? Yes, of course. Awesome. So after spending nearly a decade ill, Amy McKay healed herself through natural methods Through that experience, she rediscovered a passion for helping others and now helps people transform their lives so that they can be healthy, happy and confident. Now, Amy, that was a mini intro, but fill in any gaps that I might have missed and tell us a little bit more about yourself. Well, you covered it pretty pretty well. My name is Amy McKay, and my greatest passions are probably I have two daughters, uh, healing, anything with healing, love and spirituality. Um, I work as a life coach, and part of that is doing energetic type of healing. Both, I live in Omaha, Nebraska. Some of my biggest interests are fitness, meditation, nature, reading. That's how I spend most of my time. Mm-hmm. So thanks a lot for that amazing introduction. Before we dive into today's 
main portion of today's show we begin each and every show with words of inspiration so amy what is your favorite inspirational quote and give us one example of how you apply this quote to your life well buddha gets credit for this quote although i don't believe he said it exactly like this hmm. and it is in the end only three things matter how much you loved how gently you lived and how gracefully you let go of things not meant for you so these are all really very powerful three different things that are very, very powerful. However, I've found that gracefully, gracefully letting go of things not meant for me tends to be one of the most challenging, however, the most fulfilling. Sometimes you have to accept, mourn the loss of something you weren't meant to have and move on to something better. Mm-hmm. I love that particular quote, especially the one that you highlighted, gracefully letting go of things not meant for you. And I think I really resonate with this as well. Sometimes in our life, we are looking for an opportunity or maybe looking for success in a particular project or looking for a job or looking for that perfect partner. Exactly. And things might not work out the, the way you know we think they, they should, right? They should, right. Sometimes being in control, there's something better meant for you if you great gracefully let it go and be open to other possibilities. Mm -hmm. And I think the key to that is trusting yourself and trusting in the power and the plan of the universe uh, and basically picking up those little breadcrumbs that it might throw in front of you and realizing (laughs) that not all those breadcrumbs were meant to be eaten. Meant for you, (laughs) right. Yes, (laughs) that's a very good way to look at it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Amy, what is the silver method? The Silva Method is basically what I learned through, I did three different uh, levels of training and it teaches you about brain function and quantum physics and how altering your brain frequencies, basically by lowering your brain frequencies, that you can alter your physical reality. They use quantum physics as the background for it and why it works. And basically it's kind of meditation or self-hypnosis. Um, It was really life-changing, and they connect it to spirituality as well, and using the left side of your brain and the right side of your brain, the left side being the logical, the part that we're in the majority of the day, and the right side being the creative part. So um, they teach you how to try to access that and to use both hemispheres of your brain in order to basically live your fullest You know, as children, we spend uh, a big chunk of our lives in a lower brain frequency, uh, such as alpha and theta, and that's what you're in in hypnosis. But as adults, that's why, you know, you can tell a child up till about the age of eight just about anything and they believe you, right? And then after, the older they get, they don't. And the reason that is, is because we've conditioned them and a part of our evolution includes you know, having to be logical and think and go through the uh, day. And then we forget to use that intuitive and creative side. So if we can tap into both, not just our common sense and logical aspects of ourselves and tap into the creative side and intuitive side, we become incredibly powerful in creating our reality. Mm -hmm. So what I love from what you said was that by changing your brain frequency, you can alter the way you feel physically. And not only that, you're not just using the part of the brain which is more natural to you, whether you're left brain or right brain, but you're utilizing both sides of your brain. So you're using that analytical part of you, the more more logical right brain side, but also you're tapping into your intuition, into your creativity and into your flow as well. 
Exactly. And that's your spirit, you know, that's how you tap into spirituality and your connection to whatever your source of divine inspiration is. You're able to tap into that mm-hmm. by accessing, you know, through meditative type processes. And that's all self-method is, is self-hypnosis, self-teaching how to meditate. They do a lot of visualization stuff and you can kind of alter it to be your, once you become skilled enough, you are able to, and they teach you how to do, I did the advanced course in intuition. So I learned a great deal on how to tap into my own intuition and to do all kinds of amazing healing type work that way. So that's my was my passion for it. I have an unbelievable amount of education in energetic healing, but the Silva stuff was really good. You know, having the quantum physics background is helpful. You know, when they use that uh, science aspect, it helped it to make more sense. And then to connect it to your brain and how that affects your reality, your physical reality is really powerful. Mm-hmm. Could you give us an overview of some of the tools or techniques within the Selva method? Because you mentioned there are about two or three or more. Oh, there's lots of things. Um, an example would be you can they can you can be trained to meditate on on people. So you can um, if somebody has a health issue, my intuitive training has taught me how to go into a meditative state and create a space in my mind that allows me to scan somebody's energy mentally and do healing work or be able to tell them information much like a psychic would do. That would be an example of the intuitive way. To be able to just do it on your own, anybody can go in, uh, can go relax, meditate, and begin to visualize certain things. The Silva Method has an example of, it's called the three scenes technique. So if you were to set goals, say you have a specific goal, fitness goals, you know, the new year always brings about, and wellness is always good. The new year tends to bring about a fitness goal. So what you would do is you would go in, relax, meditate, Meditate, and they teach you to have a basically a screen in your mind. So you use this mental screen and you create three different images and you go from right to left and the right side is where you're at now say where you are physically in the middle screen then you imagine yourself doing whatever it takes you know eating healthy food working out you have a imagine imagine that and then on the left side, you see it as complete and done. And then you never go back and go through that again. Just from then on, you just every few days go and go see yourself as being whole and complete and looking as healthy and fit as you want. That would be one of an, an example of a technique they use. And anybody can do that. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that people are trained to meditate, uh, scan someone else's energy, and in the process, heal the other person. You also spoke about the three scenes technique, which really intrigued me, where you use your imagination, your creative visualization to imagine a screen in front of you, a mental screen. And as you move from right to left, you're actually uh, physically taking action towards your vision or towards your goal. Is that correct? Your future self. Your future self. And then you don't go back to trying to fix yourself after that. If you go back and meditate, you only see it as complete so that that's what the image is that you're sending to the universe or to however that creative energy works um, in your belief system, you um, only send that. And you only have to do it every few days. But basically, it's planting seeds to creating exactly what you want. And it doesn't always show up. People think that it just shows up. Sometimes that means uh, when you start doing something like that, some of your habits will automatically start to shift. You know, you might start suddenly apples sound good to you. You know, you'll start incorporating the fruits and vegetables or getting rid of the french fries or whatever it is those are the things that start or exercising will suddenly be a little bit easier for you you'll be able to put it in there once you have an image of you know where you want to be and what it looks like and are set on it kind of like napoleon hill it's amazing you mentioned that he's one of my favorite authors ever that was one of my favorite books think and grow rich and that's basically what they're teaching you is how to in a meditative state 
your thoughts are, I don't remember what the, and in the Silva method, they teach this. They're like 17,000 times more powerful when you think them in a meditative state because you are lowering your brain frequencies and you're in a creative dimension. So you have more power in creating your reality if you do it in that state of mind, according to the Silva method. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. So you mentioned, you spoke about the three scenes technique, which in my opinion, seems like a more intermediate uh, way of meditation. But what about somebody who's really new to meditation? somebody who's facing a hard time trying to eliminate that constant mental chatter or isn't able to focus what advice do you have for such a person i think mantras honestly a mantra um i have used the theta sound or the alpha sound in the background and used a mantra because the theta sound or alpha sound or some form of something that they find soothing like i love the ocean Unfortunately, I'm in Omaha, so I can't have it naturally, but listening to it helps soothe me. And then if someone can choose a mantra, which could be as simple as um, breathe in and breathe out, or it could be I feel good, or any, any it could be absolutely anything um, that has a positive note on it, that helps keep the mind focused. Do you know what? I get a lot of people uh, when meditating that they're laying there thinking that they're doing something wrong. The idea is if that thought comes to mind, to just let that thought go and bring back your attention. You know, meditation is just simply focused attention. That's it. Having your awareness, focused attention. So find something. Candles are really, you know, either find a word or something you can keep saying or focus on your breath. Candles are a really, really good way. Light a candle and um, keep your eyes open or try to keep the, those, your eyes open and stare at it because that makes you have to focus. It's very good to try to do this for two or three minutes. Anybody can give up two or three minutes during the day, right? I mean, that's not not a big deal. Light a candle at night, stare at it for two or three minutes. That's a good way to introduce yourself to meditation. Or CDs, anything. Um, I had to listen. I struggled with meditation to begin with because um, my mind would wander. And I was taught by a Catholic priest who had been doing it for 40 years. And he said, Amy... My mind still wanders. So be forgiving. Just bring it back. You know, when it wanders, hopefully it doesn't wander for five minutes. And, you know, hopefully you catch it and you bring it back to whatever it is you're focusing on and, and not judge it. People shouldn't judge that it's not perfect. Nobody meditates perfectly. It's a meditation practice. That's why they call it that practice. It's not perfect. There you go, action takers. Three different options for you to start your journey towards meditation. One is mantra, where you can have a constant set of phrases or words that really uplift, inspire and make you feel better. The other thing is natural sounds. Maybe you're, you know, you're sitting in your room, but the sounds remind you of waves coming towards you or birds chirping in the atmosphere or, or something that's very natural and very empowering again. And the third thing is candle meditation. I've heard about that, Amy. Somebody mentioned that to me recently where you stare at a candle, especially if it's dark all around it helps you really focus and meditate and just to add a fourth technique is guided meditation if you're not able to meditate you know you can always depend on somebody who is has some experience in meditation where somebody guides you through spaces and places that help you meditate so thanks a lot for sharing that amy what are some of the benefits of the silver method. Now, I'd like you to break down these benefits into short-term and then long-term as well. Well, short-term-wise, um, any form of meditation or, or focused mental anything, I would say most people immediately sleep better, have increased intuition and creativity. Usually people aren't in as much 
pain. Like when you start meditating, the physical, physiological changes that occur, mm-hmm. those are really big ones. I think long-term ones and better, better sleep. I don't know if I said better sleep. That's a really big one because people tend, if people aren't sleeping well, that just you know, it just really alters your entire life. So if people can start sleeping better and any form of uh, relaxation or meditation is going to allow for better sleep and um, more energy the next day, you know, that helps to, and that focused, be able to be productive and successful in your uh, life. I think that there's a greater self-awareness and acceptance that comes through that. And those are life-altering things. Self-awareness allows you to be in a space where you can choose. I always say, um, make a choice on if you're going to react or if you're going to respond. So self-awareness is um, huge in making life choices. And that's one of those things that comes through um, any form of meditation practice. And and acceptance of things and people and events, that's another um, life-altering thing. So those are long-term things that they're kind of hard to judge, but they bring about feelings of peace and love. I tend to try to have people write down where they're at, you know, rate it from one to 10 where you're at with some certain things and then see where you're at in a month or in six months or in a year with those same things. And and that's basically the best way to try to try to make things that aren't tangible, halfway tangible. So you have some sort of marking or some sort of proof that you've done, that it's done something. But if you keep notes, I think people will see, you know, even if it's a journal every once a month on how you're doing, I think people will see. Meditation's a lot like going to the gym. You know, you walk out um, or exercising, whatever it is you do, you know, you understand that you usually feel better and that there's been physiological changes because you feel them. However, you don't walk out of the gym with the big biceps or the size two jeans or, or whatever it is. Those are things that happen, even though you know you've done something and you feel better, those changes happen over a period of time. And meditation is the same thing. It happens over a period of time. A, a lot of things you'll notice Um, some things initially, and then over a course of time, then you will see, you'll notice all the other things. Being able to be at peace in your life is huge. Or um, being able to love people that um, annoy the heck out of you is a a good thing. So, um, and your immune system too will improve. Those are, um, there's a lot of science on that now. Um, That's huge. If you can boost your immune system by simply taking five to 15 minutes once or twice a day, you know, that's huge for being able to get to work and not having to deal with absentees or, you know, or sick kids or whatever. I even taught, I have a 13-year-old and 4-year-old and I taught my 13-year-old how to meditate five years ago. So it's worthwhile practice, at least to play with it, you know. Mm -hmm. So listeners, meditation is like going to the gym. Mm -hmm. You have to do it regularly, but so is bathing. Right. You have to brush your teeth and, you know, they're just things you have to do. (laughs) Now you mentioned that after spending a decade ill, you healed yourself through natural methods in addition to the silver method, which we've discussed. What are some of the other natural methods that really helped you? Uh, a regular fitness plan, including um, yoga and weightlifting are two of my favorite things. Um, so fitness was big, meditation uh, was huge. And then nutrition, I eat largely um, an organic diet. Any meat that I eat is hormone and antibiotic free and grass fed. Yeah, I eat very, I try not to eat white flour or sugar. I do have some. I just try to eat whole foods. I try to get back to nature when it comes to eating, you know, as close to nature as you can get and put more of that in there. Uh, Boost my energy. That fixed a whole lot. Nutrition in and of itself was enough. And there's, it's really difficult to try to put, I try to put all that in there at once. So if people are meat eaters, I always say the first step would be to see if you can 
what it would cost or if it's in your budget or possible to find a farmer that you can talk to about um, his practices for raising his, for example, cattle. And if you can find someone like that, that's a good starting point. Or if you eat primarily fruits and vegetables, can you switch those to organic? You know, that Those are two really good places to mix it up. Or can you give up one thing? Can you give up white flour? Or can you switch your sugar to a natural sugar? Uh, something like that. Those are real basic ways to begin changing your diet. So I love that you have a very natural and holistic approach to health, not just uh, about the practices, but also about the nutrition. Because as they say, you are what you eat. But I love the fact that you mentioned that the change in health in nutrition, that can be huge, but the key is to take one step at a time. Yeah, it's really overwhelming to try to do all of that. I have a tendency to be a little driven, a little bit of perfectionist, and that can be can be damaging in and of itself. So um, balance is good, and it's just one little one little step. Uh, I find that if I do one thing, once I get that, if I can add another in, then it's not so overwhelming instead of trying to do it perfectly. And I'm a very big fan of energetic type healing as as well. Reiki tends to be the most common form, but I think I have five different certifications in regards to that. I do find that that is it's beneficial as well. It It is certainly can be beneficial as well. And actually transitions beautifully into the question I was going to ask you next is what exactly is energy work? For somebody new into this space, what is energy work and what are some of the practices that are included within it? I... It's difficult to describe what energy work is. I I think chakras are a good way. And if people believe they have an aura, everything has a vibrational frequency. So basically, we are uh, vibrating at, you know, the string theory in quantum physics. We have a, basically, we have everything has a vibrational frequency. So I tend to think of if we're vibrating and there are these things, like our aura is vibrating and there's this energy around us and then it's in different layers that that's what it does. And then we have chakras, which are energy centers. You know, you talk about the seven chakras. So those seven major chakras are just energy circles. Chakra is a Sanskrit word for wheel. So they're just energy circles, which coordinate. The really neat thing is if you can use chakras as a good introduction to what energetic healing. If you look at the seven chakras, main seven chakras, each one of those correlates to a specific emotional, a specific physical condition. They all, um, even spiritual, they all correlate to take the root chakra, your base chakra, has some very specific. It has a, it's associated with the color red, it's connected to mother earth, that's the kidneys, the, you know, um, there's just a bunch of things that are connected to that chakra. So if you take each one of those, you start to see the body as being all connected. Does that make sense? So um, basically, the chakra system is kind of basically it integrates a lot of our consciousness. So um, basically, we see mental, physical, emotional, material. Let's see aspects all of our of ourself. So I don't know if that's the best way to put that, but each one of those chakras represents a variety of different things. So energy work seeks to balance those so that you're physically balanced, whatever they're connected to, spiritually, emotionally balanced, whatever those chakras are connected to as an example. Then in our aura, we carry all of our thing, all of our emotional, physical, spiritual things are all also energetically basically kind of floating around us. So energy work seeks basically to establish balance. Now there's a variety of different ways. Reiki is um, at least 
in the United States and where I'm at, Reiki is a very common form. And basically, I don't have to touch. I can do it at a distance. I can do it in person and I don't have to even touch. But um, basically, any form of um, big form of energy work includes just different hand positions that are close to the body with an intent. You know, like you talk about Napoleon Hill, an intention to bring someone to their wholest healthiest form and whatever is their greatest good is usually my intention, unless they have some intention with that. But usually my intention is something what's in the healing of their greatest good. So whatever that might look like for them. Most of the things that um, I have a lot of more emotional stuff with emotional stuff. For some reason, I attract clients and do really well with that. But that the intent is to bring balance and make the person feel whole again so that everything's aligned. Absolutely. I love that you emphasize that it's about regaining the balance once again. And listeners, as Amy mentioned, you have seven chakras within your body that coordinate with nerve ganglia as your major organs within your body. And if it's uh, running fine, uh, you feel healthy, you feel energetic. That means that your chakras, your energy centers are uh, receiving, assimilating and transmitting the energies properly. But sometimes what happens is they go out of order, so to speak. And that's when you need some uh, external force, somebody else who has mastered the practices to come look at you uh, have a look at you know which particular chakra is blocked or needs some healing and use their healing touch or maybe from a distance heal those chakras so that you establish that balance once again so thanks a lot for that amy let's say somebody listening to this episode right now is like i want to make a positive change and transform my life and the person decides to work with you, what's the process like? They reach out to you and then what? Usually I offer a a free 30-minute phone consultation so that we can just discuss where they're at and what they're doing. I do some life coaching as well. So some people are interested in life coaching as opposed to, especially in Omaha, um, opposed to energetic healing. So we see um, through that 30 minutes, uh, I ask the questions to figure out what their goals are, where they're at, what their health is, what do they really want. A lot of times people think they know what they want, but I've had clients that really don't know what they want until you start asking the right questions. So we figure out where they're at and um, then we just set up a time to meet. If it's a distant session, then um, we set up a plan for what that looks like if they want to Skype or if they want to um, connect with emails or if they want to talk on the phone. However, whatever works best for them, I'm always open to whatever you need to get the healing done. That's what we do. Um, And I don't, I really think people do much better if they have monthly sessions um, just for maintenance. However, that's obviously not a necessity. So um, sometimes one session and an issue will clear up and it's never an issue again. Um, Monthly sessions help to prevent issues, kind of like eating healthy helps prevent, can help prevent illness. It's kind of the same thing, having energy work kind of just helps balance that out. Or just having someone, coaches are just on your side. So having someone to help you, I help people set up a plan for their fitness and nutrition or teach them how to meditate or something like that too. So that, you know, you really want, I really want to empower people um, for me to support them, but for them to be able to do a lot of things on their own. So I want to teach them to be able to incorporate some things without needing to rely on somebody all of the time. Mm-hmm. So, Amy, let's say we want to take some action today. Is there a health tip that we can implement immediately? I think you should meditate. That's the most important thing. If you do absolutely nothing else, everyone should meditate. That's by far the most important thing. 
Mm-hmm. So the candle meditation? The candle meditation, I would say. If you've never meditated before, the, the candle meditation or some guided meditation for beginners. Um, and you can find um, – I tend to uh, – Deepak Chopra does some awesome stuff. It's a very good – that's how I taught my daughter when she was eight is uh, using Deepak because he uses a Sanskrit mantra, which I think tends to – the vibrational frequency of Sanskrit tends to resonate with people. And it's beautiful. So um, that's a really good way to begin. I'm trying to think of another one. Yeah, that's probably the best way. The Silva stuff, but that can get pricey. So there's free stuff, though. Deepak has free stuff. Find some spiritual teacher that has a good following so you're not just putting anything on your mind. And, you know, there's other ways to meditate. It doesn't have to be formal. People can do yoga or tai chi or something like that. Just go to a class. Just check it out. That's a form of meditation, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks a lot for that powerful health tip. Now, an arrow can only be shot by pulling it backwards. When life is dragging you back with difficulties, it means it's going to launch you into something great. So just focus and keep aiming. This is a powerful anonymous quote. And with that, we enter the challenge round. As the name suggests, during this round, we listen to stories about how people used challenges as teachers to learn, to grow and to transform. So Amy, take us back to a time when you faced a major challenge. What were you feeling at that instant? And then how did you overcome it? I've had, you know, a number of challenges in my life, but the two, well, my mother died when I was 20. So that would be a, um, a lifelong challenge that I ended up very sick after that. And I just, I think that, uh, you know, before I ended up doing all these natural things, I had nine different urologists and was really, I mean, I was really sick. Um, I was so sick that when my now 13-year-old was only one, I, not even one, I was so sick I couldn't take care of her. And that's when I, I ended up having to call my sister. So I think it's in those times, um, I was very scared and I had a need to try to control things. And I now use some basic techniques I know that I have to allow myself some space to be able to feel whatever feelings I'm going on. Um, And sometimes that might take a few days. And then I'm a very big on core values. So if I can remember my core values and I have a five-step spiritual principles that um, they are awareness, acceptance, attitude, action, and acknowledgement. And acknowledgement is gratitude. Those five things um, and using my core values, I want to embrace those. So if I can make choices to think, act, and speak in line with my values and with those principles, then I feel like I'm being um, successful. I feel like I'm, I'm in line with who I am supposed to be. I'm being authentic. And those are the practices that I use now. Mm-hmm. So looking back now, what is that one major life lesson that our listeners can take away from your story? To surrender. I think that's one of, for me, that's been one of the biggest challenges. To surrender and forgive. Those are two things that... Um, you know, like even my health stuff, I was nine urologist. I was so set on trying to figure out the answers. When I decided that the answers were elsewhere, a whole lot of new answers came. And I ended up developing, um, you know, now I'm able to help people do all kinds of things. And I'm open to a whole new world. I connected to uh, the universe. I mean, it's it's amazing when if you quit looking where you think you're supposed to look and try something else, um, where it will lead is absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks a lot for sharing this story with us. And your story is powerful because it is with each story that we listen to, such as yours, we get a glimpse about what lies in store for us and the power of going beyond our fears. And as you mentioned, to surrender and forgive because that empowers us, makes us more grateful of 
the ways things have happened to us uh, and not feel bad that we were dealt the wrong cards so thanks a lot for sharing uh, now a lot of motivational speakers talk about concepts like your true calling or your life's purpose or your mission speaking about these concepts is one thing but sharing your story about finding your life's purpose is a much more powerful way of teaching and that's why we have this round before moving on i'd like to share a powerful thought on this topic which is by a person called robert brod who once exclaimed there is a purpose to our lives that each day tugs at our sleeve as an annoying distraction so my question to you amy is have you found your life's calling and if yes what is your calling yes absolutely i have and it is to help people to heal and to teach in retrospect was there ever a moment in time when you were convinced that this is what you were meant to do take us back to that very instant well i think that the moment You know, after I got healthy and was um doing all these things, I had I was almost obsessed. Like I was that's all I was doing. I was reading and writing about all of these things and I thought, why am I doing all this? I should put this to I should do this as a business. This is what I'm supposed to do. And I actually hired a life coach and she was like, "Well, you can be a uh, you know, a wellness coach. You can teach and do healing work." I was like, "Oh, Okay, you know I had saved papers and took classes. I don't know, I was doing so much. So um it was just an aha kind of moment to say, oh you can turn that into a business. I don't have to be a doctor to um do that. I don't have to be a certified teacher to do that. I can I can do coaching type work and inspire people and empower people to um do basic things, really basic things. Moving your body and eating reasonably well and spending a few moments in relaxation space. Those are really really basic things that changed my whole world. And people just don't take the time or they don't know. So they can do that. They can change their life. I changed mine. Absolutely. You did a lot of work and then you were obsessed and then you had a premonition why don't i make this a business and you seeked help you didn't do it all by yourself so that you could serve more number of people and you said that a lot of people need help in the basic things and that's so true because these basic things are the basic shift that these people experience from their past lives i mean not to uh, add double meaning within this life but past life in the sense of a different business uh-huh. a different relationship a different job but that initial change uh, sometimes is the most hard and once you make that change it becomes a little bit easier and they do all kind of you know my experience was my interest became it was fitness was big and then nutrition came in there and um then the meditation they were all kind of one thing led to another and it also led me to spirituality on a whole different level so it led me to my authentic truth by beginning just simply to work out and try to figure out what was going on in my body so it's amazing and that was 12 years ago it's amazing where it will lead you had i stayed on that other path i don't know where i would be so um being open is huge being open to possibilities Mhm. So listeners, emotion stems from motion, which means that if you are not in an emotional state of growth or to thrive at this point, change the way you feel by going out in the open, by running, walking, doing yoga, anything of that sort, but because when you change the way you uh what you're doing physically, your mind also changes and when your mind changes, your 
open to so many opportunities you can experience a new practice become more spiritual and you can actually change people's lives around you so emotion stems from motion thanks a lot for sharing that and with that we have arrived at my favorite round which is called the wisdom round this is a rapid fire round it just contains four questions are you ready sure what is the best advice you've ever received probably to love myself what is that one personal habit that contributes to your well-being meditation what is your morning ritual like um usually it requires uh, meditation and then i need some moments by myself before my children get up so basic things sometimes i work out putting on the day but usually some form of quiet uh some sort of intention and and mindful practice i have difficulty calming my mind in the morning so usually i try to do something that's intentional like set my intention for the day what how i want to feel what i'm going to do and then just basic yeah it's in the morning it's not as it's not as long as i would like it to be but it is important for me to establish a frame of mind for the day otherwise it just kind of gets away from me mhm name a book that has made a huge impact on your life Um probably Napoleon Hill Think and Grow Rich was one of my favorites and then also the intention experiment by uh I don't remember her name something Taggart or something like that that was one of the most powerful books I ever read Mhm so action takers in case you're driving jogging or you're in transit and you weren't able to take notes visit www.myseventchakras.com that's our website myseventchakras.com/slash Seven two. It's in digits, and also do me a favor by sharing this link on your Facebook or Twitter page. Even one post makes a huge difference to how many people learn about our show. The link is myseventchakras dot com slash seven two. And Amy, it was great having you on our show today. Before you go, tell us one thing that you're really grateful for. Tell us the best way we can find you, and then we'll say goodbye. I am probably most grateful for opportunity and for um my children. I have a 13-year-old and 4-year-old daughters and they have um taught me everything that they're just beautiful. They're amazing. They teach me everything I need to know about life, what I need to remember. So they are and then you can visit my website which is www.amymckay and it's spelled a m y m c then another c a e.com and there's a link to um my email which is creativewellness@cox.net so that's the best way to reach me visit my website and email me mhm so there you go listeners and action takers if this is something that really inspired you if you want to learn more about the silver method or guided meditation or even anything that will change your life go to amymckay.com that's a m y m c c a e.com and then you'll get an opportunity to learn more This link is going to be there in the show notes so don't worry about that you can head on over to the show notes and get to know exactly how you can get to know more about Amy so Amy thank you so much for coming on our show sharing your inspiring story and taking us one more step closer to a human revolution thank you thank you for listening and thank you for having me you are listening to my seven chakras Go to mysevenchakras.com. Download your free gift, get inspired and take action. Transform your life today.